On tonight's show, we have CEO and owner of the footwear and apparel brand, Rock Deep, Rocky Perry. And now, for your host, Cool Park. Welcome, 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 everybody, to episode 51. Welcome back. Kicking with Cool Card. I am your host, Cool Card. Thank y'all for tuning in. If this is your first time tuning in, I do invite you to subscribe so I can continue bringing you value that you're going to get on this show tonight because I have a very special guest. I have a gentleman who owns his own footwear and apparel company. Now, this is my first time interviewing anybody who's owned a footwear company. I've, I've, I've interviewed people who own clothing companies and, and things of that nature, other little boutiques and stuff like that, but footwear... That's a whole different ball game. You don't run across that too much, so this is a special episode. Um, and I know I mentioned last week on episode 50, I was supposed to have a special uh, live performance. Uh, that kind of fell through, but I will be bringing that to you as well. So stay tuned. I got you. Trust me. All right? But yeah, man, on to episode 51, over the hump, on to 100. Yeah, I'm going to keep bringing you this value. And I appreciate you guys tuning in every week. If you're watching the replay, if you're sharing it, all that is all love. Really appreciate it. Well, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Rocky Parrish of Rock Deep. He's the CEO and the owner of the footwear and apparel brand. And let's just dive into into his world and see what he's got going on, see what he's doing, because he's doing special things. He has some great, great, great ideas going on over there. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Definitely going to have to buy me a pair of shoes. Uh, yeah, so let's get it going. I'll bring him in with my cool welcome, and uh, let's get it going. Yes, sir. Social media manager followed you, but I went ahead and gave you a follow too. Okay, I appreciate that. Hey, y'all, welcome to the show. Rocky Parrish of Rock Deep. He is the CEO and the owner, man. He makes shoes and apparel, but I'm really fascinated about the shoes. Like, this is, like I said in the intro, this is my first time interviewing anybody who's owned a shoe company and is actually making shoes. And from what I can see, they're good quality shoes. Mm-hmm. Yes, welcome to the show, brother. Well, I appreciate you having me, man. Um, I I love doing interviews like this, especially when it's with uh, my people. Not that I, you know, castigate anybody else. <laughs> I don't even know if I use that word right, but uh, I I just appreciate that. You know, we can do more things than just I want I want little ones to see that we can do things like this, right. both on you know media and in uh, footwear and apparel. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. I, I really appreciate appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know we're supposed to connect a while ago, things didn't work out, mm-hmm. but hey, I got you here now. So it's time to dig in. So let me just set it up. On my show, I just try to bring the the, the viewers value, all right? So if there's anybody out there who's looking to start a clothing line or looking to get into the shoe shoe game or or build a shoe brand, you know, maybe you could drop them some gems that they can't get anywhere else because you're doing it, you know? And a lot of times people have questions and they can't get the answer. Somebody wants to charge them, you know, a webinar or this and that, or they really don't know what they need to know. So that's why you're here. 
All right. So for me, you know, I'm glad that you uh, brought up that point because we actually have a mentoring program where we're actually helping others utilize not only just my resources in my factory, but just kind of walk you A through Z on what the processes are of mm-hmm. of kind of building a shoe and constructing a shoe. So for me, um, that's my way of giving back. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. So you come from government contract work, the entrepreneur owning your own shoe brand. Like, how does that even come about? What what sparked in you to say, because you could have done anything when you, you know, you decide you want to get out of the corporate world or whatever that is, or the contract world, and you said you want to do something else. What sparked you to get into that, though? Because you could have done anything. So, I mean, I, I've done a lot of things. So, I mean, you know, like you said, I started in the government. Um, well, I started before that. But, you know, when you got when you get in the government, your parents always tell you get a good government job. And uh, it was funny because I, I'm not even going to lie. The, the way things happen to me in my life have always been by happenstance when it's just for me trying to make money, okay. not me making money. You know, and, and by that, I mean, it was me and a white dude, uh, uh, we were sitting in a, the personnel office and there were two summer jobs available. Mm-hmm. And he said, Dean, Rock, we got two jobs. One is in IT, one is in contracts. Neither one of us knew what either one of those things were, what that meant. You know, we're in, we're in a first year of college and everything. Mm-hmm. And Dean spoke up first and said, well, I'll take IT, whatever that is. I said, I guess I'll take contracts. And to this day, Dean is still doing IT type of work, although he's elevated, you know, yeah. much, much more higher than he, we were back then. And, you know, for a long time, I continued in contracts, doing contracts, project management and contracts. Um, and then I just kind of moved out of the government because I really just got tired of sitting behind a desk every day, all day. Yeah. And I got into project management. It made more money. And, you know, after that, you know, sitting behind a desk, doing project management, working with people, I realized I, I was temping when I left the government and I saw a um, an invoice come across for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I ain't making that much. And I decided right there and then I'm going to go and get my own EIN, start consulting. And even though I'll still be working for people, I'll be making the money I want to make. Right. And I basically tripled my uh, tripled my salary by just consulting and doing the exact same things. But it actually almost got a little easier because when you're in the government, man, you do everything. And when you're working at certain companies, you do everything. But when you consult, you get to choose what you're doing, although you have knowledge of all those things. So. Okay. After a while, I, I um, you know, I moved around. I did a couple consult. I did a lot of consulting gigs. I did my, I had my own co- company, Rip Solutions, and that's my initials, R.I.P. Um, I did some consulting for Nike and Jordan, okay. and then I moved out to Beaverton, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Well, it rained too much, and I moved <laughs> back after a couple of years. And, um, and this is after consulting for years for them. Yeah. Um, and when I moved back, I got into television and radio. Never studied it. Never oh, wow. whatever, whatever. But it was something that somebody said, "Hey, you you trying to do a podcast?" And at this time, no one knew what a podcast was. Not even me. And so uh, a couple of my buddies who were trying to talk me into it. At first, I was like, "Nah, can we make any money?" And they were like, "Nah." And for me, I'm a young dude. I had a couple of kids at the time. That was like, if it ain't if it ain't making dollars, it's not making sense. I mean, I know that's a regular saying, but for me, that was true. Yeah, because right. I had just some kids. That mouths to feed. Um, but you know, to skip ahead, this is what I really want. Footwear was my passion, and it, it was what I really wanted to. You know, I'm only 48, but I wanted to actually. I'm, yeah, I think I'm 48. I forget sometimes. <laughs> but I knew that this was what I wanted to ride off into the sunset doing. Okay. And uh, but I knew that I had to utilize some of my previous skill sets, marketing and contracts yeah. and, and footwear in general. But you still have to learn a lot, even when you're doing it on your own. So that's how I kind of got to this point. But so being around, like, say, the like the Nike brand, the Nike culture. I mean, did you take away from that and kind of see like? Second best job that I've ever had in my life, and the first one was when I consulted for a Swedish telecom company. And, and and when I say why they were better, 
because they just treated you, you know, they were they were Sweden. They were Swedish. Okay. So everything they brought their entire culture over here. And, you know, if, if I had kids at the time I was working for them, well, I did, but I, I, I didn't have, but I would have gotten paternal leave if had I had a child. I'd have got eight months off. Wow. Um, it, just, it was just a whole different culture. But at Nike, that is just a different experience. And you, you see things, you learn things, you experience things that you never will anywhere else. And you take those things because when, you know, a lot of people that I was there with are not there any longer. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason behind that because people, it, it is the Mecca. It is that highest point when you're there, mm-hmm. but you realize you can do a lot of things better than they were doing it. And you don't have as much, uh, you don't have people telling you, you know, you can't do this. You actually, you get to use your full creative. Right. Um, there's no red tape. Um, there's no, there's not, there's not white. Uh, and I, I'm going to say this and I don't, I, it, it may come off the right, but you don't have a white person telling you how to sell to the black culture. If that makes Understood. sense. And Understood. Understood. There's a lot of, this happens in corporate America all the time. And, I, you know, as we get along in the um, interview, I'll, I'll explain, you know, a recent collaboration I'm doing with a Native American or a Native that um, he feels the same way. And that's why we did that collaboration. Mm. Okay. So so you go from government work, right? And then you, you kind of reach out and you link up with a factory, right? Yes. That's it. So you found a factory. Well, work For the footwear, yes. That, yeah, factory footwear that will work with you built a relationship how how does that how does that even work how do you build a good trustworthy working relationship with a factory so the thing is um and and there's a there's a multiple layers to that story but when you first start out you utilize all of your old contacts meaning you know they always say don't burn a bridge and if you do blow it up because you know you're not crossing back over it so for me i utilized all the factory contacts that i had for people that used to work at nike people that knew at nike or jordan stuff like that but I don't even use those folks anymore because those folks weren't they, they were working in different factories, but they also moved on. So I just asked, like, hey, who's a good person to use for this? Because for my hiking shoes, I don't use the same factories I use for my uh, athletic shoes. Okay. I have a partner factory. Um, I actually have equity in my factory, which is something that even Nike doesn't have. Nike, everyone in the business contracts out their factories. Mm-hmm. And you can read like some details on my about me on how that came about. But yeah. I actually started working with a company called Racks. And if anyone knows, they know that one of my lines is called Racks. Well, I eventually went from doing designs and helping them with their product management to actually buying the rights to that brand. And so what I did was I talked them into, yo, y'all aren't making any money. Let me have equity in the company. I'll take over. I was going to ask you. I'll, I'll literally flip it. I was going to so, ask you that. How, how in yeah. the world did you go from designing? So this is a good thing, though, because I want people to understand that you brought value to them first Correct. by going in doing designs. I did, I did stuff for free. Um, I just because, you know, I kind of came across them and I was like, man, they have some great tooling, which is outsoles. And but their designs was were ugly as hell. <laughs> so you know, I, I just reached out. And luckily, you know, I could it was so hard because it was in China. Right. And, you know, you can't just get over to people in China. Factories don't have a website and stuff like that. So I did a lot of research, came up with an email, reached out, found the CEO. He responded to me, but with another person who actually spoke English. Mm-hmm. So I actually still have a relationship with that person today who is no longer at the company. And we just, you know, I just pitched them like, hey, here's what I can do. No charge to you. And, you know, everyone's going to be a little skeptical when you say you want to do something for free. Right. But I explained to them, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm trying to achieve. And, I, and you know, I'm always going to be transparent um, because I think when you are with folks, you know, people like sometimes I'm just overly transparent. Yeah. But I believe no matter what culture you are, when you're transparent with somebody, 
they know exactly where you're coming from. So I explained to them, I'm trying to create my own brand and here's what I'm trying to do. I'll help you with your brand. And while my brand helped them, they still, you know, they were only selling overseas, meaning back over where they are. Yeah. I was able to stretch it because when I told them, let me buy it from you, they had no idea that I had plans. And it wasn't like I was hiding it from them, but my entire what my entire reason for wanting to purchase the rights and the brand was to bring it stateside. Okay. Because when I started, I was taking my shoes. I had started out just doing athletic. This was a, a hiking company, but I went and researched. I repurposed a lot of things. And when I was knocking on doors with my athletic stuff, people were giving me BS uh, excuses like, oh man, you got great product, but we can't put it up because we have to take something else down. Now I never told anybody my background. So they didn't know that I knew they were BSing me. Yeah. What I would do was I would take my wares into store. Like I would literally go into, you know, uh, foot action and foot locker. And then some of the local joints, uh, sports zone. And instead of talking directly to the manager, I would just open up my bag and put shoes on the counter so that other customers can see. <laughs> and so I knew what their reaction would be. And it would be, they're hot. When y'all coming out with them? When y'all coming out right. with them? And make so that would make the manager. Because the thing is, you got to, again, you got to show your value to someone else so that others see the value. And the manager like, yo, I don't even know who you are. But that was kind of, you know, everybody had a different reaction. Yeah. Uh, but it was always receptive. And they were like, yo, here, take our car, call us, blah, blah, blah. I don't make the decision. You know, because basically on a retail level, they don't make Man, those types make of decisions. decisions. Yeah. But those that reaction gets sent up the chain. So you go to a DM, you go to a GM, yeah. and eventually get to somebody else. But they were still, you know, I'm black, you know, because eventually you 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 don't believe a black dude's doing the thing. And, and again, it's I don't call that racism at first, but me being black had a part to do with them not wanting to go that because you know who who does that? Right. I'm not food, I'm not, you know, Damon John, all that kind of stuff. Right. So eventually, you know, I just said, hey, I'm gonna go repurpose because I looked on one night, and not to be too long-winded. I looked on the REI site. I don't know if everybody knows, but REI is a very high-end hiking website that sells boots, hiking things, camping things for hundreds of dollars. And when I say hundreds, I mean a pair of boots that, you know, not even Gore-Tex, couple hundred, maybe $300. So I was like, man, I could do this. I could even make it better. And and not just the same quality, but even better for less. Yeah. So I did. I actually used this factory's tooling and then started increasing it. And that's how I got to where I am today. So how do you find the right materials that you know are, are good quality, you know, that aren't going to tear up, that's going to last? Like, how do you do that type of research to figure so it out? It's a two-way street. It's, you can, um, so a lot of, there are, there's actually a, a gentleman that's over in uh, China and different parts of China. He'll actually, you can pay him a little bit of money or you can make the trip yourself to actually go and find and feel because that's the best experience you can have is finding and feeling. Or you can go to TJ Maxx, Marshalls or Ross, buy some stuff that you like the material and then send it to the factory. Like, look, buy, get me something like this mm. or really close to it. Okay. And, you know, that's a starting point because not everybody has money to just, you know, go to China. You know what right. I'm saying? So at that point, you you start somewhere because everyone has to start somewhere. But don't ever just say, give me what you got and go with that, because the sample process is an expensive process. And the sample process means once you have the shoe that you want, you get it sampled up and then, you know, you, you work from that. But they'll they'll send you the cheapest material possible if because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. As right. a person. And I did know to say, hey. Give me a mid-level grade material 
That way we can go up or stay right there because mid-level isn't bad. But if you don't ask for any type of material, they're just going to send you the cheapest stuff available. Oh, wow. Well, now, when you work with the factory over there, you you were actually in China? Yes. I've been, I mean, I had gone there several times before anyway. Okay. And I've gone uh, twice since. Oh, okay. Since starting my own thing. Right. Now, the China, the, so the factory that you work with still is still in China? Oh, correct. I mean, people always ask, you know, hey, uh, do you do anything in America? Yeah, apparel. Um, because you 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 cannot compete in today's society by doing a you know and they have apparel factories or uh, footwear factories like in North Carolina and California, mm-hmm. but they they cost a lot and you know New Balance can tell you we do stuff in America but they're just doing samples and small runs so that they can say they do stuff in America. So I, I like to pull the curtain back and tell the people straight up, no, nah, we we can't compete if we just do a factory here. Okay. So and I so what's what's your biggest market as far as like sales right now? Um, when you say market, as far as uh, demographic or types of shoes? Well, types of shoes and regions. Like, do you, only in America are you selling? Are you selling in China? Oh, no, no. So, we, so, funny enough, as I am, I am in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, we actually started off as a global company because why? The hiking shoes started out in China. So we already had a platform. Okay. We sold on Express. We sold, we sold on all those sites that you see knockoffs and stuff like that yeah. because they sell real stuff on those, those, uh, those platforms as well. And then once I got my website going, because, you know, I had to get I had to get the capital going so that I could do more. Um, and then we we just kind of spurned here, launched it in 2013 and we were off and running. Oh, wow. 2015. We, we launched our business in 2013, but our, our website launched in 2015. But how do you distinguish yourself on those types of sites that do sell all those knockoffs? Like how can like a consumer like me go on AliExpress and say, OK, this is knockoff. This is good quality because there's so much on there. You just don't know. The brand because you haven't seen the brand before so the brand is this is so I'm, I'm not making jordans i'm only making my brand so when you go there you know it's my brand now i will say once they start knocking you off you've made it and are <laughs> companies that have uh are, are places that have done it but it looks nowhere near like my stuff and they'll do it in weird colors and stuff yeah. like and they do it only for the racks brand the racks line should i say not the rock deep overall my athletic line so i have two lines I have my Alpha line. Well, I have several lines. Alpha, Huntsman, and Racks. Okay. Racks, I actually own the rights. And when I say own the rights, it's mine. Okay. Because um, most of the time people will be like, well, are you licensed it from it? No, Racks is mine. Okay. Um, I also have Racks uh, NA, which is North America. But Alpha is my pure athletic line. Racks is my athletic and hiking line because I kind of, I've kind of evolved it for just straight hiking to you can do hiking, you can do trail running, you can do all types of things. And then I have Huntsman, which is my hunting line. Okay. All right. So what, what inspires your, your designs, man? Because I, I see a lot of bright Everything. colors, very, you know, full of life. Um, it's- so that, that's another good question. So for me, um, when, you look at, when you look at REI or other, like, uh, uh, a, a couple of the outdoor uh, uh, lines, I can't even think of some of them right now, but you see browns, you see yeah, blacks. Very bland. Gold, green, bland colors. Yeah. And I knew that if I was going to sell to, you know, people who look like me, although my audience was going to be everyone, I need to have some vibrant stuff to catch the eye because we as a people collectively like loud stuff. Like the look fly. I'm not saying individually, but collectively, you're going to turn an eye when you have some highlighter colors, when you have some vibrant neons and fluorescence. And I just knew if I could really put those together, it would take off. And it has, but not even only with us, but because I, I will be completely honest. Um, my demographic was, you know, 90% white folks when I first started. I mean, black oh, people wow. support us, but not as a collective group. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that because you you were spending time out in Oregon, or is that just 
just what it was. Because it was hiking. So when you put oh. your stuff out as hiking, yeah. people hike. For sure. And, sure. But I actually learned a lot because, you know, once I did the hunting line, I start, I didn't know that as many black people hike and hunt as they do. And it's and it's a large contingent of black folks that do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know it firsthand. You're from Mississippi, right? I'm from Mississippi. I, yeah, I was born in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Yeah, I'm from Waverly, Mississippi. So, you know, down there, black folks hunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not the conventional way either. <laughs> right. Right. Black folks are hunting. Yeah, man. So, I got a question for you because I always, I'm, I'm still thrown off by this. So I go to the shoe store and they have like, you know, the width. So you got wide or whatever. I still don't even know how that even runs. How do you know to make or how how do you, how can I ask this question? I already understand what you said. So how do I know, you know, uh, how the construction of a wide foot? Yes. Shoe is a- and how can, how do, how, how do we know though too? I want to know that answer. How do we know? How can we tell? Because what's, what's good for our foot? Every shoe doesn't fit right. Correct. And so for us, it, it was an evolution of really just kind of getting information from people with wide and flat feet, people with plantar fasciitis like I had because, you know, I played football. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when we were wearing, you know, pleats have changed dynamically and, and a whole lot since I was, you know, playing football. And for me, we didn't have and, you know, we haven't gotten to the point where we could say, hey, here's a shoe that has an E or a double or a triple E. But what I've done, because we have to be innovative, is I've made shoes that can fit wide foot people, flat foot people with the support. And why is that? People with your foot, I don't know if you have a wide foot, but I have like a regular, if you will. I got a narrow flat foot. Yeah, so some of our shoes would be good for you. And we've actually created a section on our website that says flat or wide feet. And it has a question mark. These are the shoes that would be good for you because we use flex knit and we use different types of materials so that the shoe grows with your foot. And it gives you, you know, the type of support you need. That's good. I'm, I'm going to go check that out because that'll help me with other brands too. Because then I can kind of compare. Not to say I want to go and use you and then go buy something else. What I'm saying is, I don't know. So if you, you know, yeah. you're kind of giving me a guide. You know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I'll, I'll look at what you have. I tell people often because people's like, I need support for my foot. Well, what kind of support do you need? Because right. there's a lot of ambiguous questions that people use, like, are your shoes true to size? Well, true to whose size? <laughs> right. You know, because if you if you wear a Nike Jordan team shoe and a Nike Jordan signature shoe, a size 11, 11 and a half will fit you different. Yeah, definitely. If you wear an Adidas and a Nike, those fit you different. So I always try to tell people, do your shoes fit like what? So instead of me saying true fit to size, it's an ambiguous question. I don't answer. I just say, go check our size, our size chart out and check our Euro sizing. And you go check your Euro sizing in your shoe and compare the numbers. Okay. Once you compare the numbers. Yours might be a size American 10, but might say 43. It might say 44. But go and look at where our 43 or 44 is and get that size. And that is, that's the easiest way because it's more exact. And some people will be like, but I'm a size 12, but my shoe says 45, where our size 46 is a is a 12. Okay. So just because you wear a 46 don't mean you wear a 12 in our shoe. You might wear, you know what I mean? Or in your shoe, you might wear a 40, uh, an 11. But go by the... The, the European size, which will be, you know, the di- double digit number. Okay. Got you. That's a good tip. That's good to know. Now, off top, I told you I like the shoe, the, the, the one that had kind of like the African colors. Mm-hmm, the Pan African colors, the, the uh, Black Eternal. Yeah. Would that be good for me? I'm flat footed and narrow. Yeah. So, um, I, so one of my buddies, uh, Mark, he, he, uh, I worked with him at Nike and he, uh, he worked in the, what you all would call retro, but it's a Nike sportswear. He once told me, 
everything ain't for everybody, which I've already known because my father said it, but he goes, you know, you have to design outside yourself. And while I built every shoe to be comfortable for me, I also had to realize that it had to be, it had to be able to foot, fit different types of shoes. Right. So for me, um, you can go get a shoe that's good for you. That uh, and, and what was your original question on that? So I was asking, would that shoe be good for me with a narrow that would, foot? That would be because I do build every shoe for initial support, which gives you, if you have flat feet, arch support. Yeah. And so when you go into that section under flat and wide feet, every shoe in there would be, and that that foot that would be under that section as well. So tell me this: I get some shoes that have it feels like it's too much arch support, like it starts hurting, like the arch is like too big. Correct, and that's for people, um, and they should actually list that like high arch, mid-level arch, or no arch, you know, because some shoes have a zero drop, um, mm-hmm. and most people in running have that. So for me, I actually start out all mid, but you know, I have some shoes that are for like trekking that people use for cross-training, and those actually have high, high not, like m- between mid-level high and high high for the arch support, okay. and not necessarily for flat-footed people. Flat-footed people don't need a high high arch, because it, it presses on your foot. Yeah. And you don't need that type. You just need something that's going to keep not keep you from your instep. Yeah. I think I need the mid because that highway, man. That, that Because, I, I mean, I talk to people all the time about their feet structure and their instep and their gait and the pronate, how they pronate. And everybody don't want to look like they're walking with their feet going like this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And you'll start seeing the shoes look like that, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, wow. Yo, I never even thought about that, though, because I do see people walking like that. It's probably their arch in the shoe. They've either not talked to someone who was educated in the store when they bought it, and they might have bought it online, or they just didn't know that's how the foot, the shoe would treat their foot. But the thing is, I like people to be educated on my shoe. So I say, look, even if you're buying it from the website, even though our stores are closed presently, email us. I might be the one who answers your question because it's, you know, some things are a little more technical than others and not everybody will be able to answer it. But I want to make sure that your first buying experience is a good one. So because as a black owned business, let alone a small business, we don't have the luxury. And I say it over and over again. We don't have the luxury of you having a first bad experience purchasing from us because you will not come back. Right. Our people, anybody else, I don't care who it is. Nike mess up, Adidas mess up. Y'all coming back to them. Yep. We messed up. You ain't coming back. (laughs) No, not at all. Can uh can they can people find your shoes in stores right now or is it strictly online? Uh, it was previously you could only find it in our stores because and, and this goes back to the you know fact of people weren't didn't you know want to pick us up. So my my decision at that point was if no one else carries you rock carry yourself and and that and I want people to take that 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 um that thought process with them everywhere. It doesn't mean you need to open up four or five stores like we did, um, but. Be a, don't don't rely because at that point you're really sharing your your profits. Right. Like I, hundred percent. You know, other than the cost of the shoe, I'm getting a hundred percent profit. Where if I go with a retailer, which you know we still have the opportunity to do and may do soon, you have to split those profits. Yeah. And it's a six forty or fifty fifty uh, split, or you know, different than that depending on how you negotiate it. Okay. Now, would you ever do something like a collab with say Nike, some big brand like that, or you just no. want to stick stick to your guns? No, if we do a collab, it'll be with someone of um, uh, a non-big corporate entity because Nike has their money. And for me, the whole reason that I started, I mean, not the whole reason, but one of the bigger reasons was I wanted I wanted people who look like us to see that we could do this. So, no, I don't I don't want them taking it um, credit for taking me to any new heights of where I am as a person or as a company because I don't want it, nor do I need it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I could appreciate that. 
for sure. Because yeah, more of us, we we do need to see for that. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, we do need to see that. We definitely. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, I'm I'm very highly inspired by the fact that you are running a successful shoe company and you're making good quality shoes. Like, I'm really inspired by that because I've never I've never run across anybody that that's been doing that's doing it like you. And, and there, you know, um, it's funny that you know I thought I was one of the only, and and I know I wasn't the only, but it's come to find out that there's so not so many others, but there are others out there. Um, and I'm not speaking down when I bring this up, but there, I know um, I was in, like in a black coalition uh, Facebook group and I saw a lot of people because someone said, hey, who's a black owned footwear company? Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of people saying a lot of shoes, a lot of shoes. So I went and researched them. I found out it was just dudes designing color templates and then selling shoes for two or three hundred dollars. Oh. And they only got like 30 and 40 dollars of it. And I'm like, wow, look, I understand you have to start somewhere, but that's hustling backwards. Yeah. So that's why I started mentoring and said, look, man, if you guys want to start a real brand, and not, you know, because you're making them all the money and you keeping scraps. Right. A bigger portion of what you're making and own the rights to your shoes, not just, you know, use someone else's designs if you are truly a creative. Right. Um, and so for me, um, and there are others, you know, Nagasta's, you know, dress shoes and you got Sai Collective who does high-end luxury, like streetwear and stuff like that. So there's other folks like me. And when people ask, you know, like, isn't it um, isn't it a, uh, a conflict of interest for you to mentor other people? To, like, nah. If you have a Nike, Reebok, Adidas, and all Under Armour, you can have a Rock Deep, you can have a Side Collector, you can have these other brands. Why? Because I will say this a million times: the table is big enough for all of us to sit at any. Oh, for sure, for sure. A lot of people don't think that, but yeah, it definitely is. How can somebody reach out to you for mentorship? Um, just email staff at rockdeep.com, and they'll set up a, a Zoom because um, I don't. I, I always like to see people in the face, and I'm glad you know this is new te- technology. Yeah. But I like to see people like straight up. Um, I'm not going to do the work for you. I'm going to show you the steps and we'll go through that a couple times and then I'm going to turn you loose and you can deal directly because frankly, I got too much ish to do myself, yeah. to be, you know, but I time. want to be able to help as many people as possible. But we all know how it is. Some people will get comfortable and just think that you're just going to do it all for yeah. them. And I tell people, if I got to do it, what I need you for? Yeah, for sure. What's been your greatest joy with this journey that you've been on? Um, and, and I'll be completely honest, I've answered this a couple times, but it used to be, you know, when I had no kids, it was all about me. And this is before, you know, footwear was where it is now. Yeah. But as you, as you evolve as a man, as a person, you know, you get kids. And, and the, one of the greatest things is obviously being able to provide for yourself and your family. Yeah. But being able to provide jobs for other people so that they can provide for their family, I will tell anyone that is the greatest joy a person can have next to, you know, the birth of your, ch- your kids. Man, that's 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 great, man. <laughs> that's great. I love what you're doing. I really do. I love what you're doing. Let's talk about um your desire to build factories across America. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, one of the things, like I said earlier, that you know, doing footwear factories just it's not feasible. Yeah, the cost associated and things of that nature. But apparel factories is so much easier. You can get someone to train uh, the materials you can, you know, get. You can work with Mexico, uh, Mexico on factory uh, uh, materials and things of that nature. But the bigger part of that is bringing jobs because we as a people, um, we need to do for ourselves. And I'm not saying that we don't and that we don't try, but I mean by us to provide for each other, to help each other, because we are conditioned to compete with one another. Um, to think that, you know, I'm not going to give this dude any insight on this because he's going to use that against me and he might make more. And, and my whole thing is reach back, pull forward. Yeah. And if they pull on you, let them go. But for me, if we can go to Vicksburg, if we can go 
uh, to Detroit, if we can go to all the inner cities and create apparel factories, because what do we know that's happening in most of the inner cities? There's vacant lots, there's vacant buildings that can be utilized and turned into something else. Now, we all know once that happens, you're going to be able to get grants. You're going to be able to have uh, the government tell you, hey, we got something cheaper than what they're offering you. And there's going to be a competition. But for me, it ain't about you competing for my business. It's about me giving other people jobs. Yeah. And if we can do that, um, it's, it's just, I think it's not just me, but if more businesses can do that, I think it would be a great thing because we then create multiple Black Wall Streets. Yeah. I think that's a great idea, honestly, because a factory... You could have thousands of people working in a factory, but you're right. creating a lot, a lot more jobs than you know what I mean. It's a, a mom and pop type of store. Like you, you're talking. And the second part of that is, we will always be a publicly held company, and the reason that's important is you don't have board members uh, uh, to answer to. And then let's just say there's a downturn in the market. Mm-hmm. People are always in these shoes, even though we took a bit of a hit when COVID started. Um, people came back kind of quicker than we thought. Okay. But we don't have to go and fire 3,000 people, even though we made $75 billion that year, and say, oh, well, <laughs> my holders were upset. So, you know, we had to still pay our dividends out. I never and understood the, it, that. It doesn't just happen in the footwear business. It happens in all businesses. All businesses. I, I just don't understand that. Like you said, you made $70 billion last year. Why are you laying these people off? You, ha- right. you have the... Yes, but it's an excuse. And, you know... It, um, we won't have that issue because um, you have to be forward thinking and you have to be innovative because um, I don't work hard to do things differently. It just happens. It's just the way my mind works. But I just think that if we, you know, if we work through innovation and looked forward way down the way instead of right what's in front of us, we can avoid all the issues that other people encounter or that they, you know, choose to go through. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So when you come, when you fully come out of this COVID thing and everything, what's like your next move? Are you going to reopen stores? Uh, oh, so, so it was a blessing and a curse. Not a curse, but it was a little bit of a blessing that some of the stores uh, closed. Um, we took a hit, but I, I'll explain why it was a little bit of a blessing. It was my first time owning stores, and it wasn't because we did bad, but I wanted to hire my own people. And I wasn't being racist because we hired some, some a couple white folks. But the problem was, out of all the folks, my white folks were the work, hard, hardest workers. And um, it pissed me off. And, I, you know, again, I'm a very forward, straight up person. I would sit my men down and, and point at the white person and be like, I heard all y'all because this is what I want to do. This is where I wanted you to be. Yeah. I don't want you to always be a manager of my store. You can move up. Everything has an upward mobility except my position, which, you know, one of my kids will get some someday. But this person who I've hired as, you know, underneath shouldn't be outworking you. Right. And I'm not saying, and this is not to put this on all black people. If you take that, it, it probably means that somebody that you're like, yeah. everyone else who's an owner <laughs> understands what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, to your point, we will be opening up a couple of stores. It won't be as many, but we've always had the plan to franchise. Okay. And when you franchise, you're giving other people who look like us the opportunity to own something like this. And I'm setting up the infrastructure so that you already have something that can be successful. You just got to know how to run it. So we're going to have training on ownership training as well as management training. And those are two different types of things that people don't understand because you have to be, as an owner, you have to know how to manage your people. And as a manager, you have to know how to manage your people. And you know, one of one of my things that I actually posted up on you know our social media it's been about a month ago, was that, you know, I pledged that once we we made, you know, a a trillion dollars, a two trillion dollar company, that we would actually pledge to put uh, $50,000 
for every black child in America in their account that they access access when they're 21. Oh my God. Who doubted me the most? Wow. Us. Wow. My whole thing is you like, I don't, I don't need to tell you how I'm going to get there because, you know, we have our plans. Yeah. But a lot of people like, you can't do that. That's a false, you know, problems. Like, you know what? People told me I couldn't do what I'm doing now. Yeah. So don't tell me what I can't do. Just it's get possible. behind me. Yeah. And, and, but the, I, I just want to, and I don't really, you know, I want to work people out of the conditioning that they have to always doubt ourselves and just say, you know what? Mm-hmm. If he did, he can do it. Yep. Yeah. So. that Man, that would be great. And it's, it's, it's listen, anything is possible. Anything right. is possible. So, man, there's so many people out here with so much money that could do so much more. And I know people say, oh, I work hard for this. You know, I could do what I want with it. Yeah, I get it. But you got to understand that everybody that's less fortunate isn't lazy. You know, I don't need $2 trillion. I'm going to just tell everybody that right now. I don't need $2 trillion. As long as my family and their family and their family taken care of, they don't even need $100 million. <laughs> I know. Good because they should be able to manage, and you know, me, I have failed as not only an owner but as a father and a, a figure if I can't teach them how to manage a hundred million or a million well. Right? So, if I get to a two trillion dollar business, and people are like, Well, Nike doesn't even do that. Oh, that's cool. I ain't Nike, I don't want to be Nike. Yeah, but the thing is, if we as a people collectively backed all black owned businesses, 10% of us, we would be so far beyond where, where we want to be right now Absolutely. or where we are right now that there would be no stopping what we could do. Absolutely. And I like I like what you said. You said you um, you want to do some franchising. So that's there is opportunity right there. Somebody wants to buy in. So when that happens and how, how far in the future do you foresee that? Because I um, we, we need to gauge it out of COVID, meaning <laughs> put a timeline out of COVID because it'll be, you know, we've already started working on the model. I mean, in my mind, I work through everything and I got to get it out. So I actually have, it's going to be separate models. You're not just going to get a franchise store. You're going to either get an alpha store, a, a, a huntsman store, a rack store, or a flagship store. But you have to be, you know, we're going to do where it's, you know, located and you're not competing against another store right. and all those types of things. So it's a formula that goes into it, but I'm going to make sure that you can be successful. Okay. And there's going to be different ways that you're going to be able to make this money. Just like we're going to make money, but we want you to, because it behooves me for y'all to be successful. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and they can find that information on your website when that comes about. Well, we're going to put that information out once we're ready to launch it. Okay. But if anybody wants to uh, take interest in that, they can email us at any point because I actually talk. And, and what's what's crazy is when we had stores, we had more white people come and ask us, "Are we franchising?" Than we did black people. And we had black people. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But I want us. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not racist. You know. But I, nothing is wrong with me wanting us yeah, to Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and, and people... And I'm not going to turn white people down who ask that. But yeah. I'm going to give preference to our people. Yeah. People try to make it like it is something wrong when a black person says they want to do for their people. But white people do for their I, people. I stopped caring about that a long time. time ago. Huh? I stopped caring about what other people think a long time yeah. ago. The only, unless you're cutting my check, which you can't do because I cut my own checks. Only my kids and my wife... Do I care about what they think of me? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's very, it's been very enlightening. I've learned a lot that I didn't know about shoes, about my feet. Uh, I'm definitely going to get some, I'm definitely going to buy a pair too. I'm definitely going to do that for you. I definitely want to support you. I'm going to share it. I got a couple people that I know that are very close to me who are big on supporting black business, black owned businesses too. So I'm pretty sure I can get you some more customers that way as well. Just show that support. I appreciate that. 
And, um, and I want to say, you know, good luck to you and um, whatever your passions are other than or if it is this and you want to move on to the next level. Because oh, yeah. I just I think that you doing this, me doing what I'm doing, it shows little black, brown, boy, uh, black boys and girls that we don't have to wrap our way or play our way out of wherever situation we are. We, we, we I tell my kids this and, and, and people can hold on to this. My kids can't be anything they want. They can be everything they want. Because I can't be the hypocrite where I've done all these different things in my life and tell somebody, nope, stick to one thing and do that. If you want to do 10 different things, do it. Do it. Just make sure you do it well. Do it well, yep. Do it well. Manage it and thank do it well. Really huh? I said, thank you for having me on because I really appreciate it. Oh, no doubt. Had to have you, man. Had to have you. I really appreciate you just spending time and being transparent. That's what I do this for. Like you said, people need people don't know what they need to know. And that's why I'm doing this show. And that's why you're here. And I appreciate you being very transparent and just spewing out all the knowledge, man. When you t- when you said, you know, you excuse you for being long-winded. No, please be long-winded on this show. <laughs> you know, when people meet me in person, they're like, man, you're the same. You know, when I was doing television radio, they're like, man, you're the same personal air as you are in person. I'm like, well, who else am I supposed to be? I, I don't know who else to be but me. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So when I get my TV show, because that's 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 my goal here to get me a TV show like a Steve Harvey or whatever. I want to help people, talk people through through things, showcase and, and shine a light on people like yourself. I will definitely have to have you on, definitely. Well, I appreciate it, and I'm gonna hold you to that, bro. Oh, I'm, for I'm, sure. I ain't even, I'm not even gonna have a publicist call you. I'm gonna call you myself. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. You got my word on that for sure, for sure. Well, listen, man, you have yourself a great night. I really appreciate it once again. I'll be, hey, listen, you got to support it for life. I'm definitely going to buy some shoes, support you that way. And it's not just for the support. It's because I like them. I like what you're doing. Like, and, and I tell people that, and, and to your point for that, I don't want people just to buy from me just because I'm black owned. Buy from us because we we give you quality yeah. products. And I mean, being black owned is the, is the bonus part. It's, yeah, definitely. Yep. Looking like us, man. We got to do it. <laughs> Looking like us, we got to do it. Yes, indeed. Hey, y'all, until next time, episode 51 is in the bag, episode 52. You never know who I might have. Y'all stay tuned. Every Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube Live, you will be kicking it with me and one of my guests dropping gems, dropping value, dropping knowledge like you saw and heard tonight. Share the show. I'll repost it. Actually, as soon as this is over with, you can share the replay on YouTube, on this channel, all that. I'll be on Instagram posting You'll see me somewhere around the way. Hey, y'all, give a round of applause for Rocky Parrish, Rock Deep, and all that he's doing. Great man. Until next time, y'all, peace. Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you, Rocky. Appreciate you, man. Yes, sir.